0: Colorado Matters today is all about trying to buy a home. We started looking back in September of last year. Home prices have jumped astronomically in 2022. Buyers are using huge amounts of cash to compete.
1: I pulled out my retirement money, my para, to put in as a down payment for a house. Our agent called the listing agent and we're told that they had a cash
2: offer for $1.4 million.
0: We'll talk about who can afford this market and what to do if you don't have the cash, plus why many Coloradans still want to buy despite the mind-boggling prices.
3: Home provides safety, it provides shelter, it provides all these things. And like home for us also means like protection from deportation.
4: Part of the American dream is home ownership and owning land, having something that I can pass on to my children
5: I'm Claire from Castle Rock. I'm from Longmont, Colorado. I'm from Fruita. From Wheat Ridge. From Sedalia, Tennessee. Kiola. My wife and I live in Boulder. And Grand Junction. Clarkendale. Franktown. Windsor, Colorado.
2: Hi, this is Amanda in Loveland,
5: and I support Colorado Public Radio because it is just that it's publicly funded by the people who listen to it, and I think that should be very valued in our society today.
0: It's easy to donate at CPR.org. Carol Reed is a realtor in Denver. Recently, she met our producer outside her office in North Denver to explain how what's behind the office helps us understand real estate today.
6: It actually tells us quite a bit about real estate today. It tells us that... People are looking for land anywhere they can find it to actually build homes for folks in Denver. The owner has split the lot. He is now building this duplex in the back to be able to use every possible square footage of the land that's here in
0: Denver. Every square inch counts in a place where people want to live. Reed is with CJV Realty, and she's one of several people we're talking to today about buying a home in Colorado or dreaming of it or giving up on it. I'm Andrea Dukakis. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News. And as the lot behind Reed's office shows us, a lack of housing stock is absolutely part of the picture.
6: And that's part of why this property was so appealing, was because it could be split. And you'll see a lot of that going around in Denver, where people are just finding these lots, working with the zoning restrictions that exist, and looking to see can they shave it off and actually build something else on there to take advantage from all aspects.
0: As a realtor, she craves more housing stock
6: absolutely I think there's a lot of inventory that's starting to come around but depending on your price range that competition could be very very steep for example so I've got folks that I helped show a house to um, well many houses too they were kind of in the <laughs> in the under 500,000 price range and it was a tremendous, you know, obstacle trying to get to those houses. There were numerous offers being put in on those homes. Upwards of 24 I think was the most that we had heard offers being put on a house. I think because of that price range, you know, there's a lot of folks that are first time home buyers that are wanting to step in and and see what they can do. So that has a lot to do with, you know, the inventory situation.
0: Well, we have more questions for Carol Reed and other people involved in Colorado's housing markets. She joins me in the studio for the first part of the hour. Also with us, Elizabeth Martinez from Porchlight Real Estate Group. And welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. In the first quarter of 2022, median home prices in Colorado are up 20%. You heard Carol mention some of the scenarios that have just stunned her. Elizabeth, I understand you have a term, piranha season. What is it and what's different about it this year? So, piranha season is technically
7: at the beginning of the year.
0: We actually call it
7: the compression market, but I joke because if you don't laugh, you cry in this market. Hmm. And so, in the compression market, which is from February to May, Technically, Memorial Day, when summer unofficially starts in Denver, we have more buyers than we have homes to sell them. So whenever a good house comes up, it's like piranhas. And it's graphic, but when you see piranhas feeding, well, when they're feeding like that, the buyers, the price goes up. And so we have intense price appreciation in these
0: first months. What? else are you seeing, Carol, that's really unprecedented right now? I think really what we're seeing that
6: I've seen as being unprecedented is how much buyers are willing to give to get into a home, Um, from waiving inspections uh, to the appraisal gap provisions basically saying they'll cover whatever an appraisal does not um, say that that home value is worth. Um, non-refundable, earnest money. They're basically giving every piece of cash that they have left to be able to step into a home. And I think that's created a little bit of a danger situation for buyers. Um, they're stepping in and, and really going to be immediately cash poor, possibly. Um, but I think in the long term, I think it sets them up to be able to build that equity going forward.
0: And you mentioned the term appraisal gap. Um, That is, when you buy a home, the bank wants an appraisal. And that's to know if the home's worth enough to cover your loan. Sometimes the appraisal comes in lower than the sale price and the amount of your loan. So the two parties have to decide how to cover that gap. And now buyers almost always cover that gap. And it means they need to pay cash on top of their down payment. Um, we mentioned inventory low and that this is a place people want to live. Carol, what are some of the other reasons for low inventory and the trends we've been talking about? Well,
6: for, um, you know, something else that's contributing to low inventory is uh, really the folks that have been in their homes. They were able to refinance over the past couple of years. Um, So they locked in at very low rates. And now as they're looking and have thought, well, maybe in a couple of years we'll upgrade, get a larger home, you know, change to a, a different location. They're looking at those higher interest rates and what those payments would be for them now. And I think it's strangling a little bit of the inventory because I think they're
0: thinking, well, we'll just sit sit and wait it out a little while longer. So they were anticipating that interest rates would go up, and they did. Um, Throughout the show, we'll hear from Coloradans who are trying to buy a home or uh, who have succeeded, and the first voice is in Denver.
5: Hi, my name is Ashley Cosgrove, and I currently live in Cap Hill, but I moved here just almost 10 years ago, and I was in my early 20s, and I just never would think that here I am in my early 30s now 10 years later in this state and still unable to own a home. I'm a teacher so it's not like I make the kind of money to even own a home which is really frustrating because I'm working in the communities that I can't even afford to live in which I know is a lot of people's stories. You know when I first moved here housing prices were low but I was young I didn't want to make a bad decision with my money I didn't really know the neighborhoods and a lot of the houses were just too big for the space I needed but of course as conditions changed, but it became more and more impossible once, once that became more of a reality in my own world. You know, you grew up with this idea that once you hit a certain age or a certain status in society, you buy a house. And it always made me feel less than or like something was wrong with me. I think I finally shifted my perspective where understanding that, you know, this is what it is and it's kind of a trade-off to live where I do. I do plan on owning one day, hopefully in Colorado. But you know, if I do own a home, it's probably going to be you know an hour or two outside of the city. I'm going to have to compromise where I want to live, and I don't think there's a such thing as like a starter home anymore. As you know, a millennial, it's kind of like you buy what you can get, and you hope that that's something that's going to last you a long time.
0: This is a common story. People who can't afford to live where they work, you hear it a lot with teachers. There's one projection that the average home price in Denver could hit a million dollars by the end of the month. Elizabeth, what do you tell people who don't have huge amounts of cash to put down?
7: Well, as Carol
0: said, you know, people are finding where they can.
7: You know, they're borrowing from their parents. That's a big thing that we're seeing right now. Millennials are definitely fueled by parents. Um, But, you know, there's the idea of not only do you need to save what you can, but there's also programs out there that can help you either do down payment assistance. But then, one of the programs that I've been using this past year is called Accept Inc., which is a local lender who essentially buys the home for the buyer in cash and then turns around and sells it to them. So it shows the seller that they're getting a cash offer, whereas for the buyer, they may be putting 5% down, whereas in a traditional multi, multi, um, multi-offer situation, they wouldn't be able to win with such a low payment down and maybe little to no extra money to put towards this appraisal guarantee. So it's really being creative in this market to figure out how can we get these people where they need to be. And my teachers will definitely look into some of the Denver housing programs that are income-restricted. Because unfortunately, yes, we do have an affordability problem.
0: And of course, some people don't always have parents who can help out. Correct. Um, We just heard from Ashley. She's trying to buy a home. And she doesn't think starter homes exist anymore. Is she right? That is relative to, you know, income,
7: unfortunately. As she said, she's a single gal on an income, a teacher salary. I was once a teacher I got into real estate because I had two children and couldn't
0: afford to be a teacher with two children in daycare. Elizabeth mentioned programs to help people buy homes. They offer assistance with down payments or debt relief. We talked to a Navy veteran who got a grant rather than a loan to help her get her first home.
4: My name is Valerie Keys, and I live in Commerce City, Colorado. I wanted to buy a home because... I wanted to create generational wealth for me and my children as a divorced single mom. I wanted to finally, you know, start earning equity in all of those things. The obstacles that I ran into when trying to purchase a home was the high debt ratio that I had. Even though I didn't have a lot of new debt and the income was okay, I couldn't even begin to look into buying a home until I had eliminated the high debt that I had. I was watching 7 News one day and I saw these different programs coming up, specifically the Open Hand Initiative. It seemed like the perfect program for me to finally eliminate the debt that had been, just had felt like a curse. I just felt like if I can get into this program, everything is going to change for me. I qualified for the program. I got the maximum that I could get, which was $5,000. Many of the debts were old debts, thankfully, so they were willing to negotiate the numbers. And I was able to use my own money along with that grant to completely wipe out $20,000 in debt. The home I own now is everything I wanted. I have a great kitchen with amazing stainless steel appliances and tons of cabinet space. I have a huge bedroom with a walk-in closet. It has a water softener, play areas. It's just a dream come true. Long-term, this home symbolizes my participation in the American dream. Part of the American dream is home ownership and owning land, having something that I can pass on to my children. But more than that, showing my children, if I can do it, they can do it. That this isn't something that's just for some people, that this is something for for us. You know, people always say thank you for your service to veterans and you have veterans that are living on the street. So I was so thankful for this program because I felt the thank you for your service.
0: At CPR.org, we'll link to the program Valerie used. Again, it's called Open Hand Initiative. We'll also include other programs that offer alternative financing and grant assistance. Thankfully, Valerie's story had a happy ending. Carol, what are some of the reasons you think inventory is so low? Well, I feel like it's a perfect storm right now in in Denver,
6: especially. Um, You know, we've we've been boasting population boom for a number of years, and people still are wanting to move to the area. Um, It's a great place to live. I grew up here, and I know, um, you know, having lived elsewhere, coming back here, I can't imagine being anywhere else. And I think that draw um, appeals to a lot of people, um, from weather to – you know, just the hospita- hospitality of folks. Um, we've got a great lifestyle here in Denver as well. Um, technology, um, you just have people that want to be here. Um, couple that then with uh, really the, what's happened over the past few years with the lowering interest rates. Um, it's been a great time to move here. Um, the remote uh workability has been wonderful. Um, but all of these things then, um, plus COVID obviously, has really hampered what we've been able to do as far as building inventory. Um, home building has not been as great as we had hoped as well. Um, and so, I, you know, I think it's that perfect storm of a lot of things going on at once that are strangling our ability to have inventory. And again, with people who've refinanced and been able to secure those lower rates, they're second guessing now, do they want to move? And,
0: you know, they're not creating any additional inventory that might normally exist. I'm going to ask you both to predict the near future. What do you each foresee for the rest of 2022? Elizabeth?
7: So obviously, my crystal ball is fuzzy. (laughs) But we do know that our beginning of 2022 got off to a jolted start because we knew that the interest rates were going up. The Fed had announced that they were going up last year because they had to get it on top of inflation, which they unfortunately are catching up to. But COVID made them stop us going into the recession that should have happened in 2020. And so interest rates have been low and we've tasted this candy. And with everybody knowing that they were going up, People were in a mad dash to get in, and so we've had crazy appreciation for the last couple months, and we're seeing our seasonal shift right now, and we usually see that in June.
0: And uh, Carol, um, why don't you give me your sense of the near future?
6: Sure. Um, Again, I think my crystal ball is a little fuzzy also. I I wish it had a little more clarity to it. Um, But I do think things will start to normalize a bit. Unfortunately, I think prices are going to continue to stay where they are, if not continue to rise. Um, But I think the piranha season uh, that Elizabeth was speaking about, I think that's
0: going to die down just a little bit. We're going to return to our panel of agents in a moment. But first, a young couple shares their story, which doesn't yet have a happy ending.
1: My name is Brisa Gomez-Cortez. I'm 29, and I work for a food justice nonprofit called Metro Caring.
3: And uh, my name is Victor galvan Ramirez. I'm 31 years old, and I am an electoral strategist.
1: We started looking back in September of last year and looked at a ton of houses, submitted a lot of uh, proposals, and I worked for public schools in Colorado since 2013, and I pulled out my retirement money, my PARA,
3: as a down payment for a house. We were always offering more than than they were asking, you know, okay, if we offer 20,000, 25,000, like, we never imagined that we'd be competing with people willing to offer another $100,000 on top of the value of the house. And four or five times we were told we were the lowest bid.
1: And back in February or March, we just decided to stop and wait to see what the market does in the next year.
3: In our journey to buy a home, we understood that there are people who are doing this specifically for profit. So like we know that we'd be competing with those folks, but we didn't realize the scale at which we would be competing with them. Mm-hmm. Um we had our eyes like wide open at the end and started off kind of like in this very optimistic space where we're kind of saying like, all right, what do we want? Do we want a garage? Do we want a yard? Four rooms, three rooms, two bathrooms, whatever. Slowly but surely it whittled down. It went from like having hopes of a home that we really wanted to live in to like, I am willing to pay to be in any home. And it's horrible to feel that way Mm -hmm. when that last offer fell through i put the brakes to it It it's like we need to stop this because we're gonna one end up in a house that we're gonna have to work hard to make our home after accruing a scary amount of debt it's scary the housing market is scary and the positions that it puts you in
1: We're both first-generation immigrants, and I think seeing the struggle our parents went to to get where they are, and us having conversations about having children, that was like one of the biggest motivators, other than, you know, building generational wealth, and going through that, that last winter, looking at homes all over the city, and then like constantly being turned down, constantly meeting with our realtor to make a game plan, it just got disheartening really fast. We both work around social justice issues. So seeing the impact it has on our communities and then living through that barrier of not being able to afford a home, it became a huge emotional burden. So the game plan is to see what other side jobs we can do, what other consulting we can do to reach a good amount of money where we feel comfortable jumping in again.
3: It was clear how this is set up systemically to give access to rich people and historically white people and exclude folks that are coming in for the first time that don't have access to large cash sums of money. We had to prepare for an entire year just to consider asking for a loan. And when we were approved, I mean, we had this moment where we were so happy to be approved. It was... I mean, that was a breakthrough for us.
1: We continue looking and like hoping we can find something within the area, within Colorado. Victor has been here since he was a baby. This is his home. I moved to Northeastern Colorado when I was nine.
3: There's absolutely been thoughts of like going to other states. Mm -hmm. Like that thought has crossed our mind. I mean, our neighbor to the south, New Mexico, has houses that are half the price with double the amenities. But Colorado, for the past, you know, the better part of two decades has been working hard to improve its immigration laws. And those laws help keep us anchored here. So like on top of being a home buyer, we also have to think about the politics that like keep us safe. Home provides safety, it provides shelter, it provides all these things. And like home for us also means like protection from deportation.
0: Obviously, we hope they're able to find a home eventually. Elizabeth, Realtor with Porchlight, do you have a sense of who you're competing against when you're putting in offers with buyers? Well, it does depend on the price point.
7: As they were mentioning, that you do compete with investors, especially on these starter homes that are at this price level that investors, myself included, have purchased. And saying... You know who you're up against at all times is hard because when you're up against 20 different offers, you don't know. But when we approach the listing agent, we always ask, is there cash on the table? So that helps you know if you're going to be in a strong position moving forward. So other than that, you really don't know who you're competing against unless the listing agent in the end will expel that information, which it's a roll of the dice if they will or not.
0: Carol Reed, Realtor with CJV in Denver. Briefly, do you see disparities when it comes to who can buy homes? Are you asking in terms of demographics or –
8: I definitely
6: do. Um, I would say my experience over, um, you know, my my history as being a realtor, I would say it's been largely a white population – largely folks that have come from money um, or have some money that they've saved up um, or have come from other states and have brought with them wealth. Um, I do think that disparity in what um, has afforded folks the ability to buy a home, you see that in in the population as well, just how it's changing over the years um the neighborhoods how the faces of the neighborhoods are changing as well so i i definitely think you're seeing a
0: difference and along those lines there have been reports of in particular black home buyers facing discrimination that's both in mortgage lending and home appraisals npr reported last year that black home ownership has actually gone down credit problems can be a big part of that which is what valerie talked about earlier Elizabeth and Carol, you're both originally from Denver. I believe you still live in Denver. Could you reflect on the trends you're seeing from that perspective? Uh, What does it mean for communities with these huge increases in home prices? Well, I I know from my experience, um, so I actually grew up in Park Hill.
6: It had a whole different uh, demographic demographic. look to it when i was there you know 50 years ago um and then as coming back now as an adult it's completely changed over and there's pluses and minuses to that i think the growth and regeneration of the neighborhood has been beautiful to see um i do think however that it just pushes folks out and if they um if people have not continued that wealth and trying to keep it within the family, you see it now turning over. And and that's uh, where we see that the color of the neighborhoods changing as well. Elizabeth, how about you?
7: So more of that. Yes. So I grew up in Southwest Denver, Harvey park and now live in West Colfax Sloan's Lake area, the Northwest Denver area. And yes, gentrification is real. Um, Unfortunately, People are happy about home prices going up, but at the same time, taxes also go up. So even if somebody has owned their home free and clear for years, and they might be somebody's grandmother, they eventually have to sell because of the taxes, unfortunately. So that's another thing that is impeding as these 100000 above list price offers keep on coming, and then the new price level in that neighborhood is at that. People can refinance and cash out, or they can sell and they can move somewhere else where their taxes may be
0: lower. Thanks to you both. Sure. Carol, uh, Colorado Realtors Carol Reed and Elizabeth Martinez. The next voice you'll hear is someone who's shopping at a higher price range than the home buyers we've heard so far. She's found that this end of the market can also be infuriating.
2: My name is Sarah Colgraff, and we have been looking to buy in mostly Denver metro neighborhoods, my husband and I are in our early 30s. And at that point in life, where we're starting to think about a family. So we're trying to find a single family home, just somewhere that we like, we enjoy. You know, we can see ourselves walking around with a stroller. We have two dogs, you know, somewhere with a decent yard. Uh, when we initially started looking, we were hoping to be somewhere between maybe 900 and a million. But we quickly learned that in the areas we were looking, that just wasn't going to cut it. Right now, we're hoping to be somewhere between 1.1 and 1.3. We never expected to have to pay this much for a house. And not only that, but interest rates have been rising as well. So not only at this point have we kind of raised our maximum purchase price, that you know monthly payment has now gone up probably about $1,000 just based on the interest rates rising per month. I'm trying to focus on, you know, the long-term. And if we don't get in somewhere now, what's the market going to look like a year from now, two years from now? Are we then going to be completely priced out to where we don't even have a chance? So that's kind of what's going through my mind and making it just a really tough and kind of scary process because it is, it is a huge risk. So about a week ago, we... Went and looked at a house in Wash Park that was listed a uh, million seventy five. It needed a ton of work, but was on a lot we really liked. So we decided we were going to make an offer. Our agent called the listing agent, and we're told that they had a cash offer for one point four million. There were no contingencies, so it was just something we weren't going to be able to compete with because it had happened so many times. Getting a call, you know, hearing that there's a cash offer, you know, two to three hundred over asking is it's kind of become the norm for us. So it's not even a surprise at this point. We're moving along in this search, knowing that we want to be in Denver. We want to be here long-term. My husband has a small business here, so his work is really central to Denver and would require us to stay here. I think about the comparison to California all the time. I still have quite a few friends there who are struggling with the same thing, and it seems like they're you know, in a tougher spot than I am. So part of that's what's keeping me going too, is I know know it could be worse, but I absolutely thought, you know, especially at a, call it a million dollar purchase price, we would have no trouble finding a perfectly suitable home in a neighborhood we wanted to live in. It's been a surprise for sure.
0: So, another personal story about trying to buy a home these days. Now, to Deborah Shipley. She's with RE Colorado, it's a multiple listing service that tracks data about home buying here. Hi, Deborah. Hello. What does your data tell you about who's buying and how they're buying?
9: Well, Andrea, there is a lot of demand in the Denver metro area for housing, uh, not too different from what we're seeing throughout the United States. And a lot of buyers are bringing cash to the market. This last March, approximately 21% of all homes were purchased using cash. And that's up compared to previous years. For example, in March of uh, 2021, we saw only 17% of cash buyers.
0: So that's a 4% jump in a year.
9: It certainly is. And if you look back to 2020, uh, there were 13% of our buyers were bringing cash to the table. So an 8% jump from 2020. Many investors do bring cash offers. And so that uh, in particular can be why we're seeing an increase in the number of cash buyers these days.
0: You're also seeing, I understand, more off-market deals. What exactly does that mean?
9: They're never made available to the massive amounts of buyers who are looking for home uh, through the multiple listing service. These are deals uh, that could be done when an investor, say, comes to your door and says, we'll make you an offer that you can't refuse. Unfortunately, this you know, takes available uh, inventory off the market to folks who are really out there making five and six offers and still not finding a home. But it also can at times do a disservice to the seller because, um, of course, if you're, you're making your home available in this type of market, more broadly, you're bound to get a higher price for that home.
0: What end of the market is seeing the most new inventory now?
9: Well, we're seeing the most new inventory come on the market in the ranges that are above the $500,000 uh, price points. We've seen uh, decreases, obviously, in homes priced under $500,000. It may come to no surprise to those uh Home buyers out there, that uh, the price range where we're seeing the biggest increase is actually in the eight to nine hundred thousand dollar price range. So uh, more expensive homes are certainly coming on the market.
0: Generally, how long are homes staying on the market?
9: Wow, homes are just flying off the market. The median amount of time a home is staying on the market is just four days. So if you think about uh, a home buyer out there more than half of all homes that go on the market have a contract written on them in less than four days, which is astonishing.
0: The homes that go on the market almost always sell, and that's partly because there isn't enough new home construction. What is at the root of that?
9: Well, actually, uh, our limited supply of uh, available homes really goes back to the end of the Great Recession um, when home builders stopped building home at the same rate they were because real estate was seen as a more risky investment. Homebuilders right now, they've been working very hard to build homes, but the COVID-related supply chain issues, along with labor shortages, have, have disrupted their building timelines. So they're trying to get more inventory on the market, but it's it's
0: just taking a little longer. So are we in a bubble and will this housing market burst?
9: You know, I wish I had a crystal ball to predict whether or not we're in a bubble. What I try to remind myself is that uh, although we're seeing frenzied buying and high prices that might remind us of the Great Recession, I remind myself that the housing market is very different than it was 15 years ago. We have households that have much stronger balance sheets. We have much better lending practices. And ahead of the Great Recession, there was a surge in home construction that led to abundant supply, and actually we're seeing the opposite now.
0: Deborah, thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. Deborah Shipley from RE, Colorado. After a break, we talk with a real estate investor, why he thinks he's neither the villain nor the hero of the story. I'm Andrea Dukakis. It's Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC.
10: CPR is growing and evolving to better serve a growing and evolving audience in Colorado. And we're looking for new members of our team with job openings now for a news director, a graphic designer, and a technical operations specialist. It takes a committed team with roles on and off the air to make Colorado Public Radio. And your skill set and experience may be just what we're looking for. See all open job opportunities and what working at CPR is like at CPR.org careers.
0: You're back with a deep dive into home buying from Colorado Matters. I'm Andrea Dukakis. Now an investor who sees opportunity in high housing prices. There are all sorts of ways to invest in real estate. Assessor records show one of the largest residential property owners in Colorado is a company called American Homes for Rent. They buy properties and turn them into rental units. But this is a different approach.
10: We just try to make real estate investing more accessible for Local rehabbers. That would be people living in Denver that are interested in property in Denver.
0: Kurt Carlton heads a group of companies that operates in several cities. As of last week, he says they owned about 300 properties in Colorado. Those companies are called New Western, HomeGo, and Sherman Bridge Lending. And as he said, they buy, then resell to people who want to flip those homes. He spoke with Ryan Warner.
11: Let's talk about the housing stock that you help connect, as you say, the rehabbers to? Whose homes are these and why are they selling?
10: That is the fascinating part. You know, we're in the middle of a home affordability crisis, an inventory crisis, and there's 16 million vacant homes in the United States. Some of those could be vacant because they're Airbnb, but other ones could be vacant because maybe a house was inherited, and the person lives in another state, and they just don't know what to do with it, or they don't have the skills like a rehabber would have to manage contractors and and deal with that house. An interesting story, an individual inherited a rental property, and she was in Texas, and this property was in Arkansas. It was a lower-priced you know, $150,000 house or something like that, but it had tenants in it, and there was a fire. And when that fire occurred, she just didn't know what to do with it after that. She couldn't rent it, you know, she didn't know anything about Arkansas or anything, and she just left it alone, ignored it for three years.
11: I think you have about 300 homes right now in your portfolio in Metro Denver. Are you telling me all 300 are vacant?
10: Um, not all are vacant, but the majority. That's kind of what we focus on is finding a property that for some reason is not able to be on the market. We pass that to a rehabber that helps us get that ready to, uh, to be on the market.
11: How do you find them? Like, how do you ferret out that story from all of the housing stock in a city?
10: It's so much work. You can imagine these 16 million vacant homes. The data is really murky. So it's just a lot of work. It's a big data science team that we have. We're constantly just trying to identify these properties so we can pass them along to a local rehabber.
11: Okay, I am sitting in front of a pile of solicitations I got just yesterday, just in the mail yesterday, Kurt. And they're saying, uh, let me read this one. Dear homeowner, I'm interested in buying your house. I can pay cash as is. You don't have to repair it or even clean it up. Uh, This other one says, lock in your offer today and get a stress-free sale. Are these sorts of letters things that you rely on as well?
10: I think everyone that's trying to procure inventory is doing every avenue they can to find houses. So we'll, we'll target a small subset where, where we think there's a high likelihood that that property is one where value can be added.
11: I think you said that you aim to sell to people in this market. So do you, do you like verify residents or something?
10: No. Generally, this rehabbing of houses that you see a lot right now, it's not something that can be scaled by a big large institutional company very well because real estate's so hyper uh, localized it really is driven by small business aka like a small flipper or rehabber
11: is anyone being kicked out of housing or evicted because of the work you
10: do absolutely not i think I think if somebody is going to be evicted from a property um, that that's happened way down the I mean, those things naturally happen. Foreclosures happen. All these things happen. We, we started in '08 in the foreclosure crisis where there was all these foreclosures and the banks didn't know what to do with them. Hmm. And we helped all these banks, you know, get these properties rehabbed through identifying local rehabbers and get them back on the market.
11: I'm wondering if people who hear this conversation and who are desperate to buy a home, not to flip it, but just to buy a home and who might be willing to put a lot of work into it, might call you and say, help us find
10: one of these empty homes. Is that something you could do? I think so. You know, most traditional home buyers, it's really challenging to rehab a house, especially today. Imagine like, you know, the inflationary pressures on lumber and all these things and how busy all the contractors are. So it's a very challenging prospect for a consumer, a home buyer these days, to buy a house and rehab it in this current market. Are you um, the hero in this story or the
11: boogeyman? That is, in a conversation about how expensive housing is, are you the investor that's jacking up the prices for all the rest of us? Or are you the person who's helping put more inventory on the market and maybe calming it to some extent?
10: I wouldn't call us the hero or the boogeyman, but what I would call the rehabber today, the, the hero. Those are the individuals that are buying these houses, taking financial risks to return them to the market. It doesn't always work out in their favor, right? What we're doing that's positive is every time we do one of these transactions, it's plus one available housing unit. And they're 31% more affordable than a new build. I, I just think with where medium home prices are, if you're at the medium income in Denver, you cannot afford to buy a medium home mm-hmm. today. So the inventory that we're supplying to the market that we're finding is, is generally affordable housing. And that is what we need today.
11: Just to be clear, you do not sell to people who want to hold on to these properties and rent them?
10: Um, different, you know, investors have different strategies. So you have some of these rehabbers where they'll flip and, and return two houses to the market and then the next one they'll hold on to as a rental
11: when people lose money at this what is the nature of the project is it just that they've discovered some massive amount of mold or rot or
10: electrical work they didn't see behind a wall uh the first house i ever rehabbed was in a part of texas that had a lot of foundation issues and we were repairing the foundation and right when i bought it it rained for like three weeks and then right when we started it, they were they were lifting the foundation up. If you know how they do this, they kind of use something that's like a car jack to lift the foundation. Mm-hmm. And then they put in the beams and they but they were lifting the foundation and dropping it. So you imagine the house going up and down. And as that was happening, they couldn't really get it right. And bricks were falling off the side of the house and the house. The windows looked like a cartoon house. It was just a disaster. But. Yeah, there's always that risk, especially in this market where things move really fast and you have to make really fast decisions. There's always the risk that you're going to overlook something and you're going to discover it. It could be mold. It could be in Colorado. What we deal with sometimes are are like meth houses and things like that. And that's a problem. There's just a lot of issues like that that aren't always disclosed properly or captured.
11: Do you think this market is wacky or do you just think like this is the new normal? I guess both could be true, but... This market is
10: wacky. To have 15 days of ho- housing inventory is unheard of. And Denver is one of the areas that's leading the nation in that.
0: Real estate investor Kurt Carlton and his companies include New Western, HomeGo, and Sherman Bridge Lending. Back in a bit with the home buying picture in southern Colorado. You're with CPR News and KRCC. <laughs> Endowing Craigslist for a car to restore, Declan Kavanagh
10: saw something so odd he couldn't stop laughing. An electric hatchback from the late 70s, built in Colorado, and it looked like someone melted a Ford Pinto.
11: It has a face that only a mother could love. I am their mother.
10: The story behind Colorado's contribution to electric vehicles and pictures you won't believe at CPR.org.
0: Now to southern Colorado, where the housing market has also gotten tougher. Reporter Dan Boyce is covering the story in Colorado Springs, along with Shauna Lewis, who also covers Pueblo. Dan, this hour we've been focused on how difficult it is to buy. Can you help me look at the bigger picture in your region? What's the big problem facing housing in Colorado Springs?
12: There's just a big gap between how many housing units people want and need and then how many there are. I I heard one estimate the other day from a city official in Colorado Springs that that an estimate is 12,000 units short of where the city should be. So like in Denver, housing prices, they did not cool off here last winter. They stayed near last summer's record highs. And then a couple of months ago, just like in Denver, they also just hockey sticked straight upward the last couple of months.
0: In El Paso County, the Colorado Association of Realtors says the median home sale price is $485,000. That's for the county, not just Colorado Springs. I imagine it's higher in the city. How are people reacting? Is this a huge shock to the system? (laughs)
12: yeah <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, people are freaking out if they want to, you know plan on ever owning anything along the front range or in Colorado Springs. see, the springs it's it's one of the fastest growing areas in the state as well. And so there have been discussions on what can be done. So there's this coalition of local stakeholders, and they recently submitted this, you know, report of a bunch of possible solutions to the Springs City Council. And they include things like, say, advocating for the feds to accept a forty year mortgage. Which I I thought that was interesting. You know, that would bring down month to month costs to buy a home versus a 30 year mortgage. Somebody else talked at the meeting uh, where they presented that report saying that there are local employers down here in Colorado Springs in the mid tier, even folks in the tech industry, having potential employees, people turn down jobs after they see the housing prices here, and that being the sole factor that made their decision not to take the job. And and then, of course, you know, there's local opposition to density, more densely developed projects, those developments that are meant to chip away at high housing prices.
0: Shana, you reported on how these housing trends in Colorado Springs are the opposite of what the city had intended. Can you explain that?
8: well city leaders sent out a plan to increase access to affordable housing but that isn't happening there's just still more demand than there is supply but the city is making progress on its goal to build new and denser housing last year the city approved a thousand new apartments in downtown colorado springs And it's the second year in a row they've issued more than 5,000 new single-family home permits.
0: So the idea is this new housing stock could help bring down prices a bit. That's once it's actually built. What about the picture in Pueblo, where you live? In Pueblo County, median sales prices for single-family homes are up about 20 percent from 2021 to 2022. That's a bigger increase than in Colorado Springs or Denver. Do you see home building really firing up there right now?
8: Yes. The city issued more building permits for single-family homes last year, and it's looking that that number will go up again this year. And those permits are an indication that more homes are being built. Plus, the city's considering new projects totaling around 1,700 units that, once approved, would mostly use previously undeveloped land around the edges of the city. But in addition here in Pueblo, You're seeing people from Denver buying because they couldn't afford to buy in Metro Denver or even in Colorado Springs. So there's more competition here for homes, too. And there's
0: also this flip side of these high prices, particularly in Pueblo. High prices can make it hard for new people to buy homes. But it can also mean that if you already own a house, you're building a lot of equity. Uh, The value of that home can help people pay for college or fund retirement. Can you reflect on that?
8: Yeah, absolutely. You know, my own home has doubled in value in just over a decade, if if uh, you believe what the tax valuation was from last year. Um, obviously, you'd have to sell your home or take home, a home equity loan or something like that to be able to actually use any value created by owning your home. As you said, though, there's also a flip side. And for so many people, the opportunity to own a house or start building their own equity has become harder with the market that exists right now in Colorado.
0: Shauna, thanks so much. Thank you. And, Dan, thank you. Yep, you got it. Shauna Lewis from our partners at KRCC and CPR's Dan Boyce. In the one minute we have left, Realtors Carol Reed with CJV Realty and Elizabeth Martinez with Porchlight. Let's end on a positive note. What has excited you about home buying right now, Carol? I think for me, what's excited me is because it's been so challenging, it's also driven
6: on a lot of creativity from a buyer standpoint. So you see buyers that are house hacking, they are learning how to rent out rooms, they are looking at ways that they can keep their eye on the prize of home ownership, um, but finding other ways to fund them. So I think that creativity is great. Elizabeth, just a few seconds left.
7: Especially coming from a very high price point. Yes, the creativity is awesome. Um, ADUs, building density within the neighborhoods. But what I am seeing is that shift coming is allowing for the buyers to be able to not compete as
0: intensely as they would have a few months ago. That's our show for today. I'm Andrea Dukakis. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC.